Welcome to the Way SCV podcast, week two on our study of Romans. Romans 1 Greeting Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what we have here in Romans 1 is Paul simply introducing himself to the Romans. And so we're engaging with that today because I see a lot in this introduction that directs us and builds this foundation on where and what direction Paul is going in with this letter to the Church of Romans. And I feel like um, he's reintroducing himself. And there's a lot to be said about an introduction. An introduction is who you are, right? It's your attempt to share who you are versus what other people say or hear about who you are. An introduction is when you get to tell your side of the story. No one really wants other people to conclude something about themselves without an opportunity to speak into it, right? You want to help shape their expectations. And I don't think that we take a lot of opportunities to introduce who we really are when we get to meet people. I think we often put on our best face for people. We interact with people based on whatever we think is expected of us, right? We put on our best face and we don't go deep. And we probably try and hide certain things about who we are in, a, in an attempt to kind of give off a great first impression. It reminds me of job interviews. Like at what point in a job interview do you think a potential employer is trying to meet the real you? Or at what point do you feel like you're letting them know or you're introducing them to who you really are? Or, or what about dating? I haven't dated in, in ye- like t- over 10, 12 years, but dating is like a legit audition in fakery. Like no one is really themselves on a first date, right? What about in church settings? You know, I've always kind of felt like like church environments are literally constructed for us to not be who we really are. They're kind of designed for us to fake a smile, for us to go with the flow so we don't disrupt the environment of, hey, brother. You know, where we put on our best faces, we even have terms like putting on our church clothes or our our Sunday best. You know, I, I might've just gotten into it with my wife or yelled at my kids, but once I walk in the door, I see my pastor or my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm all smiles and it's like beautiful day today, huh? I know you guys feel me on that because if you've been in a church, you've done it yourself. And don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke, but, but there's truth and satire always. And I think ultimately we act this way 
because we want to please God. We don't want to come into God's house, the church, and have a negative attitude. So we, we pretend because we want to please God. A lot of us, most of us, if we're honest, we struggle with identity issues because of that. We don't, we don't often have opportunities to share who we really are, or, or maybe we're still learning and we're still discovering who we really are. So we don't really have the, the practice down of letting people know who we really are in our introductions. So we struggle to properly introduce ourselves because we don't even know who we are. But you know who doesn't have this issue? Our boy, Paul. See, Paul knows who he is. Paul's introduction is intentional. Remember, like I mentioned last week, week, right here in what we just read, he's introducing himself to people that he has not had an opportunity to officially meet yet. That's what's happening right here in this very first verse of this first chapter of Romans. It's a first introduction to people that he has not had an opportunity to visit with in person just quite yet. We know that they heard of Paul. We know that they heard about him and what, he, what he'd been doing, but we aren't sure, and scholars aren't 100% positive, that this letter that he wrote them was a solicited letter. We're not even sure if they asked for this letter. We're not, we're not sure if, if they were looking for or expecting to even meet Paul, but here he is saying, guys, you gotta hear this. Guys, can I be truthful with you? And, you know, I want to address you guys. Like, can I be truthful with everybody here? I kind of felt like Paul last week. I was chasing everyone down, sending out text messages, trying to rally up the troops. Like, guys, you need to hear my message. You need to hear what God is putting on my heart. And here's Paul reintroducing himself. And I say reintroducing for a very important reason, because I feel like there was a perception, there was a reputation floating around Paul about who he was, who he is. And then he makes it a point to reintroduce himself on his own terms, in his own words, and he does it right here at the beginning. And the very first thing he introduces himself as is a slave. Your translation probably says servant, but this is where we lose meaning in translations in the Bible because the Greek translation of servant is very clearly in describing a slave, a man of servile condition, one who gives up themselves to do another's will. That's how he introduces himself. And Paul's teaching a lesson here in his introduction. He's teaching a lesson in how he presents himself. This is the first thing he says to these people when he gets a chance to talk with them. His intent is to shore up their confidence in the basic foundation of faith. And this is how he kicks it off by answering the question, how is one identified in Christ? And this is how he answers that question, as a slave. One identifies themselves in Christ as a slave. Now, of course, we all understand the difficulty that we have with this term. I mean, I understand why translators opted out of using the word slave and instead used the term servant in the, in the English version. There isn't a whole lot to feel good about when you use the word slave as an introdu introduction. There isn't a whole lot to feel good about with the word slave, period. But why? Why is that? 
was thinking about that all week. And I wager that the reason we have trouble with the word slave is because we've never known a good master. I feel like we don't have the experience of being subjected to the will of somebody who's 100% trustworthy, who's 100% just, who's 100% good. And that's why we feel a certain type of way. And that's why we struggle with the word slave. I mean, along with our own understanding and our historical understanding and our own human experiences, when we hear slave, we don't hear anything positive. We don't hear anything hopeful. Many of us, we've had bad supervisors. We've had bad or cruel teachers or instructors. Maybe we've even had a shady pastor or two. A slave has a master and we don't wanna be mastered by anyone. And Paul's introduction is provocative. At the very least, we sh it should cause us some self-examination as followers of Christ. It's, why is this man introducing himself to people that he's never met as a slave? What does that have to do and mean about my own faith that he's trying to tell me and address? I feel like he's saying, look, Romans, I want to make sure you guys have more confidence in the gospel that you say you believe. So meet me, a slave. His front end identity is constrained to the will of his master. I had a, I had lunch with this guy that I met at a men's conference a couple weeks ago. And this guy, he, uh, he grew up in Chicago and he shared this story and his story and his testimony with me. Uh, and we started talking about life and I shared that we as a church were, we were about to start to tackle Romans. And I gave him a basic kind of, not, not really an outline, but just like kind of my thoughts for the first three or four weeks of ideas that I had for sermons where I wanted to go kind of. I shared my thoughts with him on Paul and how he introduces himself as a slave. And um, he asked me if I was comfortable talking about race and like race issues. And I thought that, that's an odd question. So, but, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. I'd love to hear whatever it is you got to say. So he told me this story about his grandpa, his grandfather, who was, who was raised in the deep South in Mississippi, in, in this place that I guess is hard to find on the map. And, but he called it the deep South and his grandpa lived in this place where there was a, a certain type of history and he lived amongst people who had a certain type of experience and for many of us we read history we interact with society and then we look around at media and what's presented to us and we say hey hey you know what it's 2021 things have changed we aren't really in that slave era anymore we aren't dealing with the circumstances of slavery anymore but in the deep south of Mississippi, where my friend Frank's grandpa is from, things haven't really changed. He told me that they don't talk about things like they've moved forward and progressed or, or things haven't gotten more sophisticated where he's from. And, and a lot of people where he's from are struggling to apply this progressive future. It's like they're stuck in a weird time warp. So he knows the evil and he knows the wrong connotations with the word master and what it means to be a slave. And he was telling me that, that, that a few times when he's 
tried to talk with his grandpa about the life that he lived and these experiences that he had growing up that his grandpa legitimately just shuts down and doesn't finish some of his stories he just can't because he he finds himself in in the moment and then he he represses it right but he he told me proudly that his grandpa actually takes joy in calling christ master he said that's how he refers to jesus and he says it with conviction Listen, guys, we love some of the Christian titles that we get. We love to be known as joint heirs, or I've heard people say members of the royal priesthood, or to be known as a friend of God, or a child of God, or children of God. And those are all true titles. They all resonate with us, and they should. But a slave? Guys, this is at the heart of worship. The identity of a slave exposes the heart of true transformation. It projects humility. Paul, as a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be apostle. He didn't start off calling himself an apostle. He said, I'm Paul. God gave me that name when he changed my life. That's my name. Starts with slave, then I'm called to be an apostle. As a servant of Christ, he's called to be an apostle. Apostle just means sent one. And this is connected to the word slave and that the will of the master is to send out his messengers, to send those who represent his name and proclaim the good news. And guys, this is just one verse. Like we're still on chapter one, verse one. We're unpacking so much that he's communicating here. And ultimately he's gonna teach so much chapter after chapter set apart for the gospel of God. And we start to go into that on another day, what it means to be set apart. But there's a specialized identity in Christ that literally leads us into what he's calling us to do. And what follows in my translation at the end of verse one is the longest run on sentence ever. I kept looking for a period and I only saw comma after comma after comma. The sentence actually doesn't end until verse seven. There's so much in these opening verses. Paul is saying it all just to say, hi, I'm Paul, a slave called to be an apostle, to share the gospel. But what should we take from this or what we should take from this is that it's easy for us when we start jumping into reading scripture to just skip over the intro and just head straight for what we like to call the meat. We breeze through stuff so quickly when we read scripture, but what is being communicated in these verses? I think what's being communicated is beautiful because what we should realize is that being a part of the gospel story never only has to do with you. It's not about where you are or what you think. It's not just about you, this moment and your life change and how your story works, because you're part of a grander story. You're part of something larger than you, right? You're part of a bigger plan. You have a bigger purpose that stretches out throughout human history. And when you read through this, whether you understand all of it or not, what you see as you read through this run on sentence is you find the gospel touching ancient Testament, recent revelations and present outcome and it continues to impact everyone everywhere and that's what we get invited into to consider who paul is as he steps into the story of him changing lives romans 1 1 through 7 paul a servant of christ jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning the Son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1, 1 through 7. That is an introduction. I'm not going to go into detail about everything he's saying, because I think eventually we'll get there. We'll get there slowly as he walks through the gospel throughout these next chapters. But there's so much here that we just can't breeze over. His introduction, it invites Christians in Rome to consider a larger purpose for this moment and a healthy view of someone who's deeply in touch with his own identity. Us, we're struggling and we're battling for identity. Followers of Christ struggling to establish a foundation of who we are. In fact, we've gone as far as giving people permission to speak to us and tell us who we are instead of standing and resting and stabilizing ourselves on the foundation that Christ laid for us. And I realize that we probably aren't going to solve anything today. I'm not going to just read this introduction and then we're all going to get it and we're all just going to start running around calling ourselves slaves. Trust me, I'm not naive in that. But it's important that we see and we note how Paul decides to make a first impression, how he decides to set the expectation, how he decides to engage with people who are in a place of learning and understanding of what it means to walk and follow Jesus. It's different to hear an apostle, a sent one, introduce themselves. Notice, there's no mention of Paul's personality here. There's no mention of his quirks, no mention of his skills or like his Enneagram number. None of that is in this introduction. I, it's funny to me. I think about people's email signatures. Like mine is the corniest of all. I think I have in there like pastor, community builder, uh, media and marketing like expert or whatever. But, but that's who I think I am, right? That's who I want people to perceive me as. But Paul's not on that. He isn't even touching that. If he was here to win a popularity contest or gain some type of momentum behind some like cool new church idea, then he failed in these first few verses. I know it's not his intention, but it's almost as if when you read through Romans, he's trying to get you to question to your core if you really are a follower of Jesus. He's trying to penetrate this new level of superficiality or superficiality of what it means to believe the gospel, to follow Jesus and trust in Christ. And he starts it off with a bang. He's like, I'm a slave. How do you feel about that? He's not winning any popularity contests. But you know what? He knows exactly who he is. And on some level, isn't that what we all want? We want to know who we are. I mean, at our very core, we are just trying to answer that question. We try to answer that question our whole lives in so many different ways, but he knows who he is. And this should really create a deep, profound reflection of what it means to be a slave of Christ, what it means to be held captive to his will, 
what it means to not be able to get away from Christ, even if you tried. I mean, how many brothers and sisters in faith do we know who have fallen away seeking something else? They're not getting away from Christ. And here's Paul reintroducing himself to strangers. And his reintroduction invites a level of testing, a level of proving. When you say I'm a slave to Christ, what you're saying is that you're totally giving the will over to him and that you're going to follow him. And that is going to invite a level of critique. Trust me. When you say these type of things, people are going to look at you and they're going to investigate if you're really about this life. Do you really know what you're talking about? Are you really down for what you say you're down for? And we got to be prepared for that if that's how we plan on coming out of the gate. But this guy, Paul, he's inviting it. He's saying, test me, I'll prove it. And I think about this era of self-care, right? Where everybody's searching for healing. Everybody's searching for inner peace. Everybody's searching for answers. Questioning everything. We need to come to grips with this type of introduction. How do we find inner healing and inner peace if we identify as a slave? If you see Jesus as king, as friend, as brother, as high priest, and all those other names, do you also see him as master? I mean, isn't he our master? Is there joy in that? Like real joy. I'm not asking for performative responses. I'm asking a real introspective question I need you to think about. Is there joy to know that our will is constrained to his will? Are we, are we willing to surrender our own will? Can we surrender our will? Will we surrender our will? And if not, why are we holding back from doing it? This Jesus Christ, whom we preach, whom we love, whom we worship, whom we honor, who we trust in, who we glorify, he's a loving and trustworthy master. But he is a master nonetheless. And that means he gets say over all purpose and all decisions of our lives. When we visit this, when we marinate in this, and again, we, we do have to wade through the baggage and the connotations that we have with words like slave and master and what they convey. And make no mistake, this language is controversial with a number of theologians and Bible scholars. This is not something that's settled across all church backgrounds or church histories and church denominations. There are people who would never go this far to use this translation. In fact, they will try to, you know, over explain it or explain over it. And there's other verses in the Bible that we try to over explain and explain over. But the truth of the matter is this, this is what it says. This is what the Bible says. And guys, I'm not here to explain over it. I'm here to bow to it. We should all be bowing to it. In John 20, when Jesus was resurrected and he interacted with Mary Magdalene, she didn't know exactly who she was talking with. But he said her name. He said, Mary. And she looked back and she called him Rabboni which means master. She called him master. Mary says this, and she personally knows what it means to be subjected to a cruel master. She personally knows as a person who was possessed by demons. She knows what it means to be tossed to and fro and to be suffering and to not know how to get out of a prison that she was in. But when she sees Jesus, 
She has no issues without hesitation calling him master. Master teacher. Affectionately and with joy when she recognizes it that, that that's him. Once she sees that it's Jesus, the first word that comes out of her mouth is master. And listen, I know there's parts of our lives that we don't want to give up. But this is introspection time. We have baggage with the idea of somebody ruling over us. We have baggage with some of the scripture about wives submitting to husbands. We have baggage with giving up part of who we are. I know. I mean, there's too many bad examples. There's too many personal stories. There's too many stories of pain, too many stories of trauma, but you know what? I'm not relying on my own words and my own power of persuasion today. What I'm relying on is the Holy Spirit to reveal to you and to all of us that our Christ is a good master, that it's worth living a surrendered life to his will, that it's worth it, that it's worth it to be his slave, to do what he says, to find joy in his will. And I pray that he does a transformative work on our own hearts so that when we slow ourselves down and we hear his voice, we recognize it and we too can turn around and call him master. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much. We just pray for, we pray thanks for, for your word, for scripture, for allowing us, giving us this scripture that we can study and we can look into. Thank you for the example of Paul. And God, we just pray that the Holy Spirit tells whatever soil it is that, that needs to be tilled as we prepare to, to go through and work through scripture, as we work through Romans, as we go on our individual journeys and we find and we go off in these own rabbit holes of just different things that we're reading about. Lord, I pray that the spirit begins to rummage through our pain and our personal experiences and that it destroys all that negative, that the Holy Spirit helps us put that in its grave. Lord, I pray that the Spirit helps us find you to be perfect and you to be true. Helps us surrender our lives to you, to our master. God, we thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. In your name we pray. Amen.